talk to you a little bit tonight about authority. Authority is a massive subject, so I've got to narrow it down to very some specifics, and I will. Um, if you would, maybe the most outstanding verse on authority would be found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 42 to 44. Um, if you hear a whine or a, a buzz or any kind of sound in our sound system, let the people back there know, don't go a whole service. I cannot hear it. I had uh, a little jingle on my tie this morning. I couldn't hear it. But my wife, when we were going down our dirt road this morning, was laughing because we have a little bit of washboard and the, they were, the, bells, were, the bells were going. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. She says, amazing. That's all gone. Since that last accident, the accident up there in Michigan, I've lost more of my hearing. Pray that God would restore my hearing at least back to where it was. I was kind of getting used to that level of deafness. And I've gone even further down the hill on that. So anyway, probably what I don't hear doesn't hurt me. But it will be exciting in heaven to be able to hear again. Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus was presenting himself. He was very careful. He was very careful not to present himself too soon. But ultimately, he presented himself as their... Messiah, Son of God. He came to his own, his own received him not. They rejected him. And he was the stone which the builders rejected. That's what he was telling them, and they were getting it. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God should be taken from you. Now the Jews, all the way going back to Abraham being given the covenant of the land, seed, and theocracy in chapter 12 of Genesis, chapter 15 of Genesis were proud. They actually got puffed up. Isn't that an oxymoron? I mean, uh, spiritual people are humble people. They're not proud people. But it's interesting how we humans, when we get something given to us by God, pretty soon we'll get proud about it. It's, it's crazy. It was given to us. It was a gift. You get proud about it. And they began to worship the system. <clears throat> of Moses. They began to worship the law of Moses. Moses is our forefather. You know, they were proud about being part of Moses' <clears throat> plan. And, and they worshiped the system and, and, were, and were really given the system credit, not the God of the system credit. And it, it went from spiritual to construct. They worshiped the framing of it, the, the, the temple. Oh, look at the temple and all that stuff. And Jesus said, there will be one stone upon another here pretty soon. This is going to be made a dunghill. In fact, Jesus could see throughout for 2,000 years, there's not going to be any temple here. Up to today. You're not going to sacrifice. And so 
It says the kingdom of God, that which you believe you are the keepers of, <clears throat> shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. I can tell you straight up and down, history's already been played its way out. That's the Gentiles. It was taken from the Jews and given to the heathen who got born again and did something with it. Went around the world telling people about it. And, and America, England before us, was a mighty missionary nation. Wow, a mighty missionary nation. Then it came to us. And the baton, if I may call it that, was passed to us. And then we, for almost 200 years, have been a nation that has spread the gospel from one. It has not almost been any place in the world. We haven't, in some way, in an effort, tried to spread the gospel. Uh, even, even in the exaltation of, of Christmas, the way we do. And then he says in verse 44, and this is kind of the, the authority section here. He says, whosoever shall fall upon this stone shall be broken. The guy that gave me the million dollar gospel tract, we're talking about people being saved. He said, you know, you can't really get saved unless you get broken. I was talking about Ray Comfort. What I like about Ray Comfort is his emphasis in soul winning is the Ten Commandments. And what he does is he brings people to face to face with their sin and lawlessness. And he doesn't go to the gospel until they are understand clearly that they have offended God in so many different ways. And when they begin to get some remorse about their offending God, then he shows them there's a, there's a salvation, a gift of eternal life been prepared and purchased for you through Jesus Christ if you'll trust him by faith. And the man said, you know, I don't think a, guy, a person can get saved unless they get broken. There's some truth to that. Right here it is. He said, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. Now, Jesus Christ is the, is the stone. He's the rock, the stone. And when I got saved, I basically was broken on him. How about you? My future dreams were broken on him. My plans on the future were broken on him. My life and whatever it could have made, been for me was basically broken on him. Interesting, the Bible says, a broken and contrite heart, these, O God, thou will not despise. A broken and contrite heart are the sacrifices that God appreciates. Not the guy that's getting up there and beating his chest and saying, I got an inheritance. Well, I'm the fifth generation of the, of the seventh son of, of such and such, you know, Baptist. No. But he goes on to say, but on whomsoever it shall fall, that is that stone, it will grind him to what? Wow. It will grind him to powder. You and I have one, we have, we have one of two choices. We can go to Jesus, admit we're sinners, unable to save ourselves by any amount of good works, any amount of human gymnastics. There's nothing you can do to please God. All of our righteousnesses are as putrefied, filthy rags if you're trying to earn your salvation by them. No amount of giving, no amount of personal sacrifice will get God's attention there. 
He already showed you and, I, and me what it requires to be saved, faith in his son. His son did what was necessary to purchase forgiveness and redemption and atonement for our sins. And we now, by simple childlike faith, say, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. That he came, he lived, he died, he on an old rugged cross shed his blood and was rose again, he was raised again the third day to purchase our salvation. Now is at the right hand of the Father. You don't even need to know all that. But if you believe that and you believe with all your heart, you by simple childlike faith are broken before him. You fall upon that stone, Jesus, and are broken. And he'll save you. You come up under his authority. That's what you do when you get saved. If you reject that, and so many do, then that stone, Jesus Christ, that same stone, will eventually fall upon the rebel, those who reject it, the rebel, those anti-authority, those who say, Jesus will never reign in my life. And the Bible says he'll literally crush them to powder. What a sad, sad day that is. I, for 30 years, vacationed in Key West. Key West is the city of rebels located in the land of rebels. A lot of people gravitate to Key West that are anti-government, anti-authority, anti-everything, anti-morals, anti-heterosexual marriage. What is homosexuality beside anti-authority? What is it? Isn't it nothing more than just telling God, I'm not going to do it your way? Isn't that really what it is? What is transgender but anti-authority when you, when you really sift it all down? Isn't being transgender telling God, I'm not going to be the gender you made me. I'm going to be the gender I choose to be. Rebel, rebel, rebellion. Re and so having a vacation down there so many years in the city of rebels and the land of rebels, the uh, Fish and Game Administration years ago made a rule that they were going to limit um, uh, the, the ability of, of the people that lived in the Keys in some area of the fishery. They were going to take the escape, as, as simple as this, and every one of the lobster traps was a little escape. Um, they wanted to put an escape hole for the, for the lobsters that were too small to keep anyway. And they wanted to put a little escape hole in the corner. That's all they were talking about. Them old rebels down there went absolutely ballistic. I mean, at the fisheries meeting, they went up there and basically said, if you do that, we'll cheat. We'll throw them in the gun. We'll do everything. You're not going to overcome us. The only, the only thing they didn't understand, I told the guy when he was arguing with me about that, he said, they're not going to do that. They're not going to come down here. He was arrogant. And I said, the authority of the United States government will crush you like a bug. One gunship will take out all of your resistance. I said, get real. You're not going to fight them. The government's going to come in here and do what you, they're going to tell you what to do, and you will do it, or you will die. Nobody's going to come up against God Almighty and shake their little fist and prevail. He's going to crush them. Let me, let me read how, how that goes. 
a little bit how here how it goes and um, take your Bibles and follow me along if you would. In, in Revelation, if you don't have your book, you can just follow along. Revelation chapter 9. I need to read these to kind of get the full impact of it. Revelation 9, 13. I'm going to read all the way down to 21. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of men. <laughs> the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, thousand. I heard the number of them, just 200 million. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and jacinth, brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions out of their mouths issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. Obviously is something nobody's ever seen before. By these three was a third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their powers in their mouth and their tails, for their tails were like the serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And this is the part I want you to emphasize, I want you to notice. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, now they saw what was going on, but they were not killed by them, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, that's demons, of course, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And let's go to the next, let's go to Revelation chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. Fourth angel poured out the vial upon the sun. The power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. That's real, biblical, global warming. And what did they do? They repented, right? No, because they're, they're, they're committed rebels. They blasphemed the name of God who had the power over these plagues. Get this, they knew who was doing it. They knew the story. People say, people say to me, well, if they only had a chance, they'd believe. Oh, really? There is a group of people in this world that are committed to anti-authority behavior. They're so committed to it that they're willing to die to uphold it. And anyone or anything that comes against that they do what they did here. They blaspheme the name of God. You've got to be pretty gutsy. And they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. Now, you've got to be in some. I've only seen that one time in my life. I've only seen it one time where people gnawed their tongues for pain. I've only seen it one time. Guy broke his back, and he gnawed his tongue for pain. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. What did they do? They repented. No, no. It says, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. But the end of this rebellion is going to be, they'll be crushed to powder. What good did it do them to rebel against God? What good does it do anybody to rebel against God? No good. No good. It's crazy. It's the epitome of insanity to fight God. Nobody's going to win. There's going to be no winners. We know that from Revelation chapter 20. 
Same book, verse 11, following, and I saw a great white throne sat upon it, whose face to earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, and was standing before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So he gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And here's the end of it. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Folks, that doesn't have to be you and shouldn't be you. But it will be you if you are not broken under the authority of God Almighty. You cannot do it like Frank Sinatra sang, I did it my way. But that was, why was that song so uh, popular, went everywhere, went all over the world. I did it. My people sing it. Not just Frank Sinatra sang it, but many other people sang it. They still sing it. I still hear it once in a while. Uh, you want to give me a rendition of it? I did. But anyway, it, because in that, the rebelliousness of the internal, rebelliousness of, of the human heart is that they do not want to do it God's way. It makes sense to me as a born-again Christian that has, has fallen upon Jesus and been broken under Jesus and put himself under the authority of the Lord Jesus would be willing to do whatever Jesus asked you to do with a good spirit. Wow. The warning is complete. We born again Christians need to make sure we're under the authority of God, need to live there or suffer the ultimate consequences. Even as a born again Christian, if we get out from, the, out from under the authority of God, he has to judge us, right? Makes sense. No good parent is going to reward a rebellious child. I've seen it happen, but they shouldn't do it. We call it enablement. You'll have a lazy kid that won't work, kick him out of the house. And the mother will often say in her motherliness, oh, my little boy is going to sleep by a dumpster. That's the best thing in the world for him. Oh, he may get hurt. It's the best thing in the world for him. Probably the why is the way he is because you've overmothered him. I've gone to women before and said, Leave, take your hands off your child and let him grow up. Quit enabling him or her. It could be either way. Man. Have you ever heard the word tough love? I can tell you one thing. God's got the toughest of tough love. God's tough love is the toughest of all love. It is tough love. God will cast people that he birthed. He, obviously, God's birthed everybody. But he'll allow them to go to a place called hell forever because he honors their freedom of choice. That's tough love. That's tough love. If you're, you say, but what if my kid goes and does, well, what if your kid does that? That's their choice. Once they get to be an adult, now I'm talking about you now. Man, God is us. He tells us to come up under authority. I think of the situation when the Assyrians came to take the 10 tribes, came down upon Judah, under, uh, on Judah under Hezekiah the king to take Jerusalem. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. And uh, this guy named Rabshakeh, I, I, Rabshakeh, Rabshakeh, 
What an arrogant guy this was, man. Oh, my. The armies of Assyria were absolutely invincible. They had had no, nobody ever stood before them. No, none of the gods of those nations stood before them. None of the armies of those nations stood before them. None of the cities of those nations stood before them. Assyria had wiped out everybody they had come on. And why, why shouldn't they wipe out Jerusalem? Why not? That was his reasoning in his little speech he did, by the way, in Hebrew. And here's, let me read you a little bit of it. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 27, what God said to this Rabshakeh. He says, but I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and, and thy rage against me. Oh, I have in my notes. This is why we won the election. Why did we win the election? Not because we're righteous. We won the election because of their iniquity. Their iniquity, their raging, came up before the very throne of God Almighty, just like Sodom and Gomorrah's raging came up before the very throne of God. Just like the people before the floods raging came up before the very throne of God. And there's a certain line that, that, that a society or a group of people crosses, and brother, that goes before the gets God's attention, and he comes in and destroys them. Those seven nations in Deuteronomy chapter 8 makes it so clear. He says, Listen, don't get cocky that somehow by your righteousness or by your good deeds that I've thrown out these seven nations which are greater and more powerful than you. He says, I threw them out because of their iniquities, because of their wickednesses. Let me just say this, when the liberals started to try to sell transgenderism and, and the Supreme Court protected homosexuality as a civil right. It was a blotch against God Almighty. And he said, that's enough. I'm going to put a guy in there that you won't even believe if I told you who it was going to be, and I wouldn't have. I mean, if you'd have told me Donald Trump was going to be, my son called me early, early on in that whole thing. He says, I think Donald Trump's going to be. I said, no way. I ain't voting for him. I said, that bozo. I said, he is a, owns a strip club. He's a wicked man. He's been married three, four times. He, he, he marries these models. I mean, he's a womanizer. I don't want anything to do with him. Now he's the president of the United States. I did vote for him. Because what I began to see as the thing played out is this is Nebuchadnezzar. This Trump's Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice guy, you know. But he was, God called him my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. See, God will raise up somebody that may, and, and did, I, I, at 2.30 in the morning, election night, I got up. I, I, I wasn't sleeping. I was praying, rolling, tossing. I, I did not turn TV on. I couldn't stand it. I shut my phone off. I don't want anybody to call me. At 2.30, I got up and I put the TV on. And I said, okay, here we go. I said, Lord Jesus, have mercy. And I heard he won. And I never saw longer faces in my life on ABC, NBC, CBS. While them people looked like the end of the world had happened, the apocalypse had come, the tribulation was over, and it was death, death, death. And all the women, they started using filthy language. Women started using bad words. I said, well, we won. 
And they began to, they began to cry. I mean, literally cry on TV. What are we going to do? The whole nation's shot. We're done. I'm thinking, are you kidding? God just did a deliverance in my day. Wow. What was that whole thing about? What was that whole thing about? It's about authority. When you're starting to tell God that he didn't make male and female right, when you tell God that two men can marry and two women can marry, when you start telling God that transgender and all this other stuff, and uh, uh, two roosters make a, make a chick, when you start telling God that, he's going to come back. He's going to come back and say, no, you've gone over that line. You've gone over the Sodom and Gomorrah line. Brother, you and I, the essence of what you did when you got saved was you got up under authority. You got up under, you were outside of authority, and you got up under authority and said, Oh, God, the creator of all that is, I want to be under your authority. I want to do what you want me to do. Now look, now look, don't look at authority as a bad thing. Authority is to protect you. Authority is to make your life good. Amen? Are you not glad tonight that somebody's watching your house? Because I'll guarantee you there's somebody wants what you got. There's people out there that want what you have. And, and, if, and they want it bad. And if there wasn't authority out there, they'd be over there getting it while you're here at church. And they may be. And uh, they, they, without authority, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't be safe to go anywhere. But authority allows you to have peace. Allows you to have protection. Allows you to do business. Allows you to travel. Man, I never have traveled where I didn't think about that. That the authority in the United States allows me to travel. If it wouldn't be that they, I couldn't go to Kansas because those guys in Kansas don't know me. They, they'd take me and rob me and pillage me and, and bury me down in a, in a field somewhere if there wasn't authority in Kansas. But there's authority in Kansas keeping the bad, keeping those anti-authority people back. Man, I wouldn't even think about going to Virginia without authority. Amen. There's no rebels in heaven. There's no rebels. I'm not talking about the South now. <laughs> I'm upset. That the, I'm still upset. I think my last day here at Gospel, I'm going to get a big rebel flag and I'm going to fly it out there. Because, see, I got a big old streak of authority in me, too. But I'm under authority. But I'll tell you what, the, the rebels will not have the last laugh. They're not going to have it. Oh, they may have it for a while. You know, they may, they may say, we're winning, we're winning. But they're not going to win. It's just a little moment that they may have a little respite where they get to do what they want to do. And, you know, interesting Interesting to me, God's comments about those seven nations that were taken over by Israel, by Joshua and Israel. He said, before that, the iniquity of the Amorites, I believe it says, is not full. That's a statement of Scripture. The iniquity of the Amorites is not full. In other words, there is, he, he, the, the word picture 
is there's a full line. And these nations, as they begin to get worse and more out under authority, begin to go like this. And, and, and the, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. He gave the nations some 400 years more. And eventually that, they went over that full line like it like happened in our country. And went over that full line. God said, okay, I'm coming in. I'm coming in going to straighten this out. When you read the Pentateuch and you read the book of Joshua and you look in there, don't you get critical of God, especially you mercies out here. Don't you get critical of God killing everything that had breath. You dog lovers, don't get, don't get upset with God. He killed every dog. He killed every cat. He killed every bird. He killed every, everything that had breath, every cow, every goat, every sheep, every person, every pregnant woman, every little baby, every one-year-old, every six-month-year-old. He killed everything that had breath. Why? They went over that full line. And it was a message that he was sending to everybody that goes over that line. This stone, you fall on it, you'll be broken. You'll come up under his authority and prosper. You rebel against that, and this stone will fall upon you. Jesus was giving him such an insight, and it'll crush you to powder. Powder. All I can say, all disorder will eventually be disinfected from God's universe. Where will you be? God forbid that any of us as born-again Christians follow the rebellious ways of the heathen, listen to their rebellious philosophy of life, or if I may say this, listen to their rebellious music. All of it is anti-authority. Because the Bible says we're like dust, we're like a vapor, we're like grass, we're like a leaf, we're like a flower that fadeth away. And we can do, according to the Bible, we can do nothing without God. Nothing without God. Jesus reiterated by saying, without me, you can do nothing. So that makes me eternally grateful. All I am is absolutely and totally grateful for what God has allowed me to be part of, that he's allowed me to be born into his family, to be part of the heirship of the thing, to be under his authority, to be part of the future kingdom, to be a, a Bible says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a, a pre, uh, eventually uh, to help him manage this thing. We've been entrusted with that. Why? Because you can trust people that are under authority. You can't trust people that aren't under authority. Digest that. <clears throat> Let me try to give one more illustration. I'll quit. Marriage. My wife, Kathy, has proven to me unequivocally that she is absolutely under my authority. Now, that makes a feminist hair stand up in the back. Who they have? They have hair on their back, a feminist. And they shave regularly. <clears throat> that makes a feminist hair stand up. Your wife's under your authority? Like, that's some penalty. It's not a penalty. It's a blessing. 
Because, because I am comfortable with that, and I, as the authority of the house, know she's under authority, guess what she gets to do? Just about anything she wants to do. About anywhere she wants to do it. About any how she wants to do it. Why? I trust her. I trust her. She's gone to Europe without me. She's gone to England without me a couple, two, three times. I know men that wouldn't trust their wife to go to the grocery store without them. And maybe they're smart about that. But brother, if you get under God's authority, he can trust you. He can trust you with a lot of, of more. He'll, he'll give you authority. He'll give you freedom because you, you've come up under authority. Right? The United States says, if you'll stay under the law and order of our country, we'll let you run all over the place, do what almost anything you want to do. But if you come across and, de and defy our law and defy our order, we're going to put you in a pen somewhere, like worse than an animal, and lock you up for the rest of your life. You're not going to be allowed to walk among other men. What a horrible thing. Called prison. But that is how dangerous anti-authority spirit is. That if you don't relegate it away from everybody, it will spread like wildfire and create an environment nobody can live in. You know where Satan will go if he's allowed just to run this thing? He's going to run it into the ground. Why? He's anti-authority. And he's going to run it into the ground. The whole thing will just literally be destroyed. If Satan had his way, but he's not going to. And all I can say, if you, if you, if you, I'm trying to think of the right word. If, if you, if, if it bothers you, this whole thing of authority, it shouldn't. You just don't understand how beautiful authority is. Authority is so you can have what God wants for you by the grace of God. Father, help us. To understand this subject tonight in some degree, Father, may there not be any child in here that, that rebels against her mom and dad or, or wife that rebels against the authority of her husband or, or people who rebel against the authority of their government or their church or a church is made to help have authority, a structure, accountability. God help us as we look forward to that day when we come up under thy kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.